For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as in a cave. We invite you now to join us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle, Timothy O'Donnell, and Joseph Tomasian. Join us in the Catholic Cave. And welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasian with Tim O'Donnell, and uh, two of the three of us are uh, clean shaven today. Tim, you have lost your you have lost your your cave beard, <laughs> right? Yes, and I'm sitting with a bunch of small men right now. Yes, right. without beards, beardless men, right. beardless men. Exactly. Right. And you are something you are, wrong you with are me. more than dashingly <laughs> handsome with your uh, with your with, with yeah. your. It's been ten years, years over ten years now with yeah. the beard. Yeah, now you, you actually yours is uh, your, yours is neatly trimmed, which is. Which is, I, I have to admit, kind of rare. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot more gray in it. Well, a little bit more gray. And like I said, you very often wear much more bushy. You yeah, know? yeah. You, you, you go for that sort of ungroomed, unkempt right, sort of look. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's, uh, that's a great picture. Uh, like a Viking. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a great picture for the people who, who don't know what we look right, like. Right. right. And then on the other hand, you know, Tim, you've lost 10 years by losing your beard, to be perfectly honest. All right, there's an advantage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is interesting how appearance, though, does sort of affect our own reality to a certain extent. I mean, when, when you when you lose the beard, and I mean, I've, I've, I've dabbled with growing facial hair. Problem is, I, I, I guess I don't have Can you grow it fully? No, I really can't. I've, I've, I've tried after a few months. First off, my family hates it. So yeah. my, my, my wife hates beards. Ah, my my daughters go. hate beards. So therefore, uh, that, that just yeah. sort of cinches it right there. But when I have tried, I mean, it comes in with lots of lots of spots and spotches. Yeah, and yeah. It just doesn't, doesn't come That's no fun for anybody. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a lack of <laughs> testosterone in my life or what, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know there's medication for that. Right. There's right. pills. There's pills for everything. <laughs> so, but on, on, the, on the question of appearances and reality and, um, and, and sort of what makes something real, um, yeah, that, especially when we're talking about issues of, uh, of, of gender, when we're talking about issues of, uh, you know, does, does the beard make the man? Um, does the lack of the beard make the woman? Yeah. Um, those, are, those are topical questions these days. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some philosoph- philosophical questions kind of behind those to dive into. I think it starts, I think it begins with which philosophy you're going to ascribe to. And I had a conversation this past weekend at uh, at a client's home, and we were discussing, as you know, I do with my clients, philosophy. And uh, and and she made the the statement. It, it was a it was a leading statement, more of a question in there. But he, she presented it as a statement that all philosophies are are basically the, the same. And and I thought, oh my gosh. You know, she uh, and, you know, she's an IT professional. And so, you know, not taking philosophy classes. And so I can, uh, you know, rightly excuse her of that, that, that misnomer that or that uh, 
lack of understanding that philosophies are, are, are drastically different from thinker to thinker. Right. And, and you know, there's some people that they kind of say, you know, I've, I've never really formally taken a philosophy class, therefore I don't have a philosophy. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's almost impossible to not have a set of sort of philosophical presuppositions that you're bringing to just about anything. So, you know, when, when you say, you know, all philosophies are equal, first off, that's obviously not true. Second, people have their own philosophies that they don't even realize are there in the background of you know sort of shaping their thinking and um and and guiding what they're thinking i think i think when you're talking about you know everybody having a philosophy a part of that is is really helping a person to understand that the way in which they they interact the the way in which they see the world the lens through which they experience life and relationships is unique to them and not everybody's going to have the same experiences and so understanding that something that that one person holds to be sacred and true and real is 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 either yeah that's accurate or it's atypical because of their 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 experiences so they may think this is just how everybody sees the world, how everybody understands it, but it's either typical or atypical. And if it's atypical, you know, there could be a mental pathology or they could just have had a crappy childhood. Yeah, and I'd go, I'd go even a step stronger than that. I mean, there's a rightness and a wrongness. Sure. I mean, you're, you're either correct about things or you're wrong. I mean, the, the, it, it's it goes beyond just being typical and atypical, I guess. Well, you know, I I guess I don't want to put um, right and wrong on on somebody's subjective experience of you know an abusive father, uh, you know. Oh, my dad was great, but he was abusive. Well, was he was yeah. he great then? Yeah, it's hard yeah. to and you're right. Subjective, hard to quantify subjective, those subjective experience. That's one of those things, and 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 it gets a little annoying sometimes in in life because things sure. that get claimed to be subjective mm-hmm. are very often not. Right? Right, right. I mean, you know, they, well, this is the way I feel. It's like, honestly, the way you feel about something doesn't make it one way or the other. I yeah, mean, the, yeah. the the way you feel about reality doesn't change reality. So the the, the subjective sometimes gets right. thrown out there. I don't like Orange Fanta, therefore it's evil. Well, no. Yeah, that's exactly. Not... But that's my subjective. Experience. Experience. Right? But, right. You know, don't right. tell me what's right and wrong right. because that's the way I feel about it. I mean, I feel that Fanta is evil, right? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like though when you're talking about philosophies, it is it. Are you also thinking? I'm t- it came to mind two other terms, maybe that were maybe are interchangeable with that these days. One is like a worldview, so everyone sure. has a kind of worldview. Yeah. The other one is like a Charles Taylor. He calls it like the. Uh, social imaginary which is a a bit of an awkward term but it's that set of everyone as an adult at least you you have these uh you have these um commitments about uh, to develop to different degrees person to person but you have commitments of under of understanding of how things are in general so you can make your way through your day. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can never have a completely synoptic view of all of reality. Right. I mean, that, that that's just not part of the human experience. We, 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 we can't do that. So all of us are going to have certain presuppositions that we have to make to be able to operate running in the background, right? And so those, I think, kind of form a baseline 
set of, of I've heard presuppositions. Basi- yeah, yeah, basic beliefs. Like basic, you have ba- basic beliefs about how you know they may not even be beliefs. I mean, they they may not even be conscious understandings of things. They may just be things that you kind of have to accept to be able to operate. Some of them are logical. At, at, so what I'm hearing is there there has to be a starting point from which we we have conversations about what is real what is not real what is typical what is atypical what is good what is evil right. there, there we, has to be a start we have point. to be able to analyze it right i mean we have to be able to kind of uncover i think the the, the sort of subconscious presuppositions that we're making and then we have to analyze them. I and that really is sort of the the work of philosophy or at least one of the works sure. of philosophy i don't want to say it's a the work of philosophy as if that's what philosophy is all about but a lot of it is uncovering those sort of hidden presuppositions, bringing them to the forefront and analyzing them. And and, and, and defining and, your terms. So language is going to have a huge role mm. in, of importance here. Right, right. Because language is how we express yeah. reality. It's how and we express ideas. our beliefs. Yeah. And, and, and it's how we express what's what's true and sure. false. Um, and, you know, I guess the, the ontological status, use the big word ontology. So on, What's ontology mean? Yeah, so ontology, it, it means the... Uh, it, it literally means the the um, account of being, right? Yeah. So it literally means the account mm-hmm. of being. So, but it's it's the it's really the the level of existence that something has. You know, to what extent is it real? To what extent does it exist? To what extent yeah. is it imaginary? All of those are what a philosopher would call the ontological status yeah. of something. And also, how is it connected to other things, right? So, um, you know, being bearded and being unbearded, you mm. know, th- that that has a certain connection to being a man. But what is that connection? That's part of the, the ontology around what a beard actually is. You know, yeah. is it an accidental feature of a person, or is it essential? Is it necessary? Do you have to have a beard to be a man? Um, you know, those are I mean, a little bit of a silly question. But well, you not know, it, not particularly. Still... The ancient Romans were were beardless. They they shaved, even though they could very well grow beards, because having a beard, a barba made you barbarian right that made you other and 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 so even to this day within within the roman catholic church it is uh uh, it's not a law or a rule but if you're going to be a priest within the catholic church it is typical to be clean shaven unless you belong to a monastic order um because that you know belonging to the monastic order will set you apart as other so is there something ontological about being bearded? No. I, if we say yes, that makes me more of a man than others who are unbearded. And um, I think the ontological, I think you're right. Part of the ontological um, truth of uh, males is that they have the, uh, the capacity to be bearded. And it's incidental whether or not one grows one or not. That's how I would look at it. Well, I mean, a lot of women have the capacity to be bearded as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I've I've seen it. You know, God God bless her. Uh, Well, but one would say women, I think a difference, a distinction would be for women. It's atypical. They have a, well, right. They would have capacity. Most women, right, are going to have a capacity for some facial hair. Mm. For a woman to be bearded, one would say, that's atypical. That's atypical. But once again, I mean, if you're talking about potentiality, that's potential. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 there. So you know that beardedness necessarily goes along as a sort of essential possibility yeah. for maleness. I'm not sure, but um, and I would say because I think there are men that can't grow beards. I, I, I was just explaining my difficulties growing a beard. Yeah. So I, I don't feel less of a man because I can't grow a beard. 
Well, and, and a lot of this is is coming from where we enter most of our conversations here uh, in the Catholic cave from a fundamentally Thomistic perspective. You know that it seems to be the because philosoph- that's the best. <laughs> well, it's 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 the philosophy. That's what uh, I say. It's a most excellent philosophy that we we can use because Thomas Aquinas was so yeah. very clear and 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 succinct in his definitions and and how he described things and um, and it's orthodox, but it doesn't mean that is better fundamentally than than other and, and also doesn't. I mean, I think this is important to say, even though Saint I'm Tom, a Thomist, say, say <laughs> there, there is no promise of protection of inerrancy around Thomistic thought. There, there's nothing that says Thomas wasn't wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, about certain things or about particular things. And, and, and some of his Aristotelian views, uh, you know, we, we could look back and say, well, that's just not that accurate. Right, right, exactly. So, um, you know, St. Thomas, though, is sort of a, a if not the preeminent yeah. philosophical right. He's mind. He's the gold standard. He is the gold standard. He is the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. So, I mean, when when you're arguing, you're you're always going to be kind of arguing within the the context of Thomism, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that there's not room for, for argument there. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about I think ontology and um, and then maybe we'll dive into a couple of different perspectives other than Thomistic ontology when we get back right here on the Catholic cave. Are you a still being maybe in motion, but not going anywhere? Maybe it's time to try being still. We help you focus on what's most important. Catholic radio Indy. Do you like game shows? How about trivia? You're listening to Catholic Radio, so I assume you're interested in the Catholic Church. Catholic Challenge 2.0 is the newest addition to our programming lineup here on Catholic Radio Indy. A 30-minute quiz show covering almost everything Catholic. Catholic Challenge 2.0 tests your knowledge and teaches at the same time. Check it out every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Joseph Tomasi, and here with Mark Total and Timothy O'Donnell, we are discussing ontology and and how people have uh, particular worldviews when it comes to ontology. Meaning, we all experience the world uh, through our through our own lenses, and and what may feel real or seem real to me may not be a, a universally experienced um, event in, in in other people's lives, and so. Uh, I think we left off uh, in the last segment where we're talking about uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. He's the philosopher part uh, excellence within the Roman Catholic Church, and, and, and his, his philosophy is, is the most fundamental, uh, studied within seminaries, and, and much of the way in which we, we teach comes from St. Thomas Aquinas, whose, whose branch of philosophy we refer to as Thomism. And in this Thomistic worldview, um, we tend to have these ideas that, that exist at the top. You know, I think Plato would call it the form, right? Mm. And, and, and Aristotle would call it the good. And, uh, and, and others in, in the Christian context would say, well, it's God. And so there's this, this universal idea, this universal um, goal uh, within Thomism that, that the individuals, the, the persons that make up the church, that make up the community of believers are moving towards. So 
uh, within that context, you know, he has his Summa Theologica, which is this great work of, of uh, distinctive systematic theology and philosophy uh, of, of how the world is and experienced and viewed uh, by, by Catholic Christians, right? Right. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Thomas is the gold standard. And, you know, that's where this Catholic cave kind of came from, Tim. You and I were sitting around kind of talking about the idea of worldview. I, it really came out of the idea. Yep. We, we'd, I, I think I'd been to a, a Protestant worldview seminar where they were talking about, you know, the biblical worldview. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, honestly, obviously, the, the, the way Catholics see the world is very much shaped by the Bible. It's very much shaped by our belief in God. But it's not that biblical worldview, I think, mm-hmm. that the Protestants talk about. So we, we were talking about, well, how do we teach people, I think, a quote-unquote Catholic worldview? And mm-hmm. we said, well... Honestly, the most fundamental Catholic worldview is is the teachings of St. Thomas. I mean, that, that sort of does form the, the, the Catholic worldview to a certain extent. Um, and But, you know, honestly, it hasn't always been that St. Thomas was this universally accepted, acclaimed um, champion of Catholic thought. His propositions i think 27 of them were condemned as heretical <laughs> um and and he he wasn't rehabilitated until you know about 30 years of debate back and forth because you know what he was incorporating was pagan philosophy mm-hmm. into christian thought at the time and, aristotle and not that aristotle. not that and philosophy didn't have a role within christianity or but christian that was a, thinking that, honestly that was kind of part of the question does philosophy have a role within christianity because yeah. a lot of people in, in thomas's day were kind of saying no not really well, honestly saint paul kind of seems to call philosophy into question right so yeah yeah and i mean and and you know saint thomas aquinas was a dominican and um, and the the main fault lines of this debate that took place at, at uh, during the life of Saint Thomas really cut across the line of the two mendicant orders. So, mm-hmm. in some ways, you had the Dominicans on one side, following Albert the Great and um, and Saint Thomas's Dominicans, mm-hmm. and then you had Franciscans on the other side. Saint Bonaventure was kind of the great, um, I think, exponent of the day, and. Um, yeah, I, there were a lot of points of differences, um, and so to try to boil it down into a simplistic formula for what the big differences between, yeah. like Saint Bonaventure and Saint Thomas Aquinas, and notice in both of those, I introduced this as saint, and both of them, I'm not sure if Bonaventure has ever been declared a doctor he of is. the church. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Um, you know, so both of them have been declared doctors of the church, and yet, I mean, they had very different quote unquote worldviews. Yeah. Even within within the Catholic Church, so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there 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 are big fault lines. It wasn't always that St. Thomas was kind of the Catholic worldview, but historically and inevitably, you know, I think he did kind of win the day on incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into a great deal of our understanding of the faith. Well, eight hundred years on, uh, he's he he's still you know the uh, the philosopher <laughs> that that informs Roman Catholicism and uh, and our catechism and and the way in which we worship and and how we view sacramentality um, all comes from a, a fundamentally Thomistic mindset and so uh, in, in order to, to press this idea uh, you know 
we we have the distinctions from Thomism, substance and accidents, form and matter, particulars and universals, which. Uh, just to give some definition of these things, you know, the substance is the being of a thing and the accidents um, is what makes up the physicality of it. You know, accidents could be tall, short, skinny, fat, um, bearded, not bearded, uh, but, but substance can't be male and female, can it? Or I'm sorry, accidents can't be male and female, can it? I don't know. Um, I mean, if you're talking about, a human person, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're, you're still a human, whether you're a male human or whether you're a female human, it doesn't change your essential humanity yeah. by being male or female. So, I mean, and, and honestly, that does get into the, uh, a question that the, the, these, these same Franciscans and Dominicans argued about after the life of St. Thomas a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is the, the sort of ontological status of accidents versus, um, versus substances. Um, sure. and, and, that comes down to sort of the idea of universal. So as you yeah. said, you know, um, St. Thomas saw the world um, starting from a sort of unitary goodness. I think, I think that's a fundamental, I think that's a fundamental of Catholicism that pretty much all Catholic thought has to start there, that there is God one is, God. Yep. Yeah. There's one all God. All things came through Jesus. Right. And, yep. and, and everything was created and, and came from this, this one God. Yes. Right. But, um, the, how I guess we organize that and why we organize that into this Porphyrian tree. So Porphyry was the, uh, the yeah. Greek philosopher that came up with a logical, um, sort of set of what he called notes yeah. for how to describe anything. And at the top, you had the most general and, and honestly, St. Thomas and, and, and Bonaventure and the other Franciscans would agree, you know, the, the most general is being or yep. God, yep. um, as St. Thomas. And that's a, well, well, well that, that's a distinction. We'll have to talk a little, is there a distinction between being and God? We'll have to talk a little bit about that. But, um, but anyway, the most general all the way down to the most specific, which would be an individual right. of a particular species. So, you know, we've, we've got men, we've got women. That's a little bit more specific because you've got, you know, two sexes of, of hum, human beings. And then you've got individuals and those individuals then, um, exhibit characteristics. And so, um, how those are related though, you know, how the top being is related all the way down to the individual of a particular species is, is a, an interesting ontological question that that came to the forefront, um, in, in discussing, um, St. Thomas, because St. Thomas basically said that there is a, um, real distinction between the universal and the individual. In other words, there is such a thing as man and what man is, is instantiated. It comes into existence in a material form in an individual. But he talks about the, the uh, ontological hierarchy, right? Right. Where, where, where God is uncreated, uh, uncreated spirit and then there's the angels which are created spirit and then there's there's humanity which is um spirits and flesh so so stuff right um and then there's there are the animals uh, who are spiritless 
but 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 fully flesh, and then there's plants, and below that you have minerals and rocks and things like right. that, and, and you know the nature of of Christ's sacrifice. Um, elevates us uh, above the angels below god uh, and so uh, that ontological change because of our baptism it creates it creates a more substantial uh, presence to our ontology right and so when we're talking about humans and the individuality there's still a goal right there's still there's still aiming upwards they they have this universal they have god who is the source of being we participate uh, in god's being uh, and so all things are moving back towards god so we come from god in this exitus and move back towards god in this reditus everything is oriented towards god and the capacity or the degree by which we do well in in moving towards god uh or the lack of we call we call sinfulness right and so if everything isn't moving towards god in in to the fullest of of one's capacity it's it's due to sinful nature Tom, right, thomas right. would yeah, say yeah yeah and and i think yeah i think that's a pretty good accurate um description of 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 what thomas says because thomas is taking a lot of the of his um, he's taking a lot of his his nomenclature. He's taking yeah. a lot of his his description of this from Aristotle, and so um, and and he's using basically the, the the philosophical apparatus of Aristotle to try to describe Christian belief and Christian thinking. Yeah. So you know, and and. Some ways, you know, St. Thomas is one of those philosophers that he is a system builder. He's, he's building a whole system of thought. But because he's a Christian and Catholic thinker, he's doing it for a very different reason. He's doing it to try to explain the faith. Yeah. Um, so he's using philosophy as a handmaiden to theology, as he said, where Aristotle was just simply trying to explain the way things appear yeah the, the way yeah. the the way the world looks and appears to him and so there, there's a slight difference in the way saint thomas i think utilizes aristotle but by and large i feel like he does a pretty good job of keeping aristotle's philosophy more or less intact i i would agree yeah yeah I, I think there there's a lot of room um to see the compatibility between aquinas and aristotle especially in the terms you're bringing up joseph around substantial forms and accidents, potentiality and act. Those are all super important. Yeah. We're but, talking about, but weren't you, weren't you kind of getting at, and we're coming up, coming up on a break here. Weren't you getting at, Mark, though, sort of the difference between universal and particular, like whether or not particulars, like human, a, a, a specific individual, whether or not they share in or have, a common human nature? Well, it's not so much whether they have a common human nature. It's whether that common human nature is really distinct in a, in a real way mm. from the individual. So that's, that, that's sort of the, 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 the question. Well, we'll come back to that because I think that's got implications for a mm. lot of sort of very contemporary modern problems that we're facing. Um, and it's a, it's a deep philosophical question within Catholic thought. But we'll, we'll get to that when we come back right after the break. You're listening to The Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. 
Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Whether things really are crazier than ever, or we just have more ways to hear about it all, it can be a little overwhelming at times. When that happens, remember the Apostle Paul's words from Holy Scripture. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for being a Catholic Radio Indie listener. It's not just a radio station, it's a ministry. Catholic Radio Indie. You guys just have no idea how much of a difference it makes. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. Um, I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasian and Timothy O'Donnell, and we were uh, we were just getting into the weeds a little bit there before the break. <laughs> we, of, uh, we do that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I think to to move forward a little bit, let's let's take a step backwards and let's look a little bit at um, a little bit more at Thomistic philosophy, because like we said, you know, Saint Thomas really is sort of the gold standard of how Catholics understand these things, and he does use Aristotelian language mm-hmm. to discuss it. And a lot of these terms that Aristotle uses are foreign to modern audiences. They very much, when you're talking substance, accident, potentiality, actuality. And um, they're just not it, words people use. It, differences between essence and existence um, and being, you know, mm-hmm. th- those all have differences and meanings when you're looking at it from a, 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 and, and, you know, this is where scholasticism really gets a bad name, right? I mean, sure. you know, scholasticism was looked down upon as, as a bunch of theologians Theologians sitting around arguing about how many <laughs> angels can fit on the head of pin, which, by the way, no, no, the, an- the answer is no, zero. And, and, and I was going to say, no, <laughs> no serious philosophical discussion that I've ever found really. Uh, really, I've never existed. been interested in that question. No, and I don't think any Catholic <laughs> philosopher or theologian is really all that interested in that question. But yeah. there are—it qu- was a straw man yeah, argument. Yeah, yeah, but there are questions like that. There are there are questions like that 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 I think to, uh, you know, the general public do, do sound like these are distinctions of a very minute yeah. importance, but they have huge implications yeah, when you're yeah. looking at the overall background. So, um, you were talking about. Individuals, right? Exactly, and that's where we're going to go. The, the 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 relationship between the universal and the individual, and so um, so let's let's quickly define what the in this conversation what is the universal? Sure, sure. Yeah. So it goes back to to Aristotle. Aristotle basically said that to understand something, you have to understand it's it's sort of the four ways that it came about. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's four causes, as he said. And they really are more ways of coming about than they are sort of causes or reasons for something to exist. Right, right. Um, and so the, the the first way something comes about is materially, right? What's um, it made of? What's it made of, exactly. So how did this table come to be? Well, it's a bunch of wood, right? So, you know, the, 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 the material cause of a table is the wood. Then you have the formal cause. And that's really, that's really where this discussion revolves around. The formal cause is sort of the, the limits and shape that that matter can take. Um, in Aristotelian thought. So, um, so when you're talking about a a table, the form of the table is the shape that has informed rectangle, oval, rectangle, you know, legs, um, legs, flat surface, et cetera. The, Um, the, The word I've, I've heard used that helps with that, I think, is think of it as like a blueprint. It's the blueprint or pattern of a thing. 
that makes it what it is and not something else. Okay. Yeah, so you, know, you think of a table, right. you're going to have a blueprint for what the table is going to look like. Formal cause equals right. blueprint. Right. And yeah. that's, okay. once again, distinctions are important, though, yeah. and I think this yeah. is important, that blueprint comes across more as the platonic idea of something. Sure. And Aristotle disagreed with that idea, that there was such a thing as a blueprint that had an actual existence outside of the table. Or I guess if it, if it did exist, it had a very separate existence of its own as a blueprint and not as as part of the table, um, the form. I, well, I would understand the, it. I the form understand of the table. The form of the table always exists within the matter of the table. Sure. You the, the the two are inseparable. You can't pull the form out of the matter and have the form still existent. And and that's um. You You've know, only given three causes. I I've only given two. <laughs> two. But yeah yeah, oh. yeah. so, so got to do efficient. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So, so the third right. So the third cause is the efficient cause, and yeah. that's the that is the, the the actions that bring the table to to being the, the, the carpenter. Initial, well, or, or the or the action of the saw, or the sawmill, or or you know, so the, so that action that, that brings it together, um, and then the final cause is the the purpose of it, right? Yeah. The, it, it's teleological, right? So the so the, the telos, telos, exactly. So, and and that's the the reason that it can. So for a table, it would be for sitting at and for placing things on top of that's the reason and you can't have something that's a table if you can't do that with it right i mean yeah. that's why you can't have round tables because you can't put glasses on round tables so a round table like a uh, ball like, like a, a ball, ball right is a not spherical a table, table. A spherical table. okay right. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean obviously you <laughs> i can, can definitely put a glass a on a round table yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah but yeah i mean a, a, a round spherical. table has a flat surface but that flat surface that's kind of intrinsic to the purpose of a table, right? Well, so it's, an, it's essential. I yeah, think you would say. right, right. It, it, it's 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 essential. So those are the so those are the four causes, and you have to understand. Um, kind of all four of them to really mm -hmm. grasp kind of what a thing is. So now going back to the individual, as we were saying, everything that exists is this combination of, and this is in Aristotle's uh, mm -hmm. view, is this combination of matter and form. So it, it, it is the limits and shape that the, the matter can take and and how that matter is put together and that's the form. And the two are, are, are linked. They're, they're, there's no way to, to kind of take one without the other except in our own intellect and so and, and so intellectually we can abstract form from matter so that we can we can have this understanding and that, that abstracted form of what we see is what aristotle calls the universal yeah. so so the the universal is the abstracted form that happens in the human mind um possibly when you get to christian philosophy in the mind of god as well um but that 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 abstracted form then is is the universal of it and it is it is what allows us to understand that this table and that 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 table are all tables right they, they, they all participate in tableness they, they all participate in tableness uh -huh. they all have the same four causes they, they and and so th they wouldn't have the same four causes well, they would that's have the true. Same that's a good form. point. Good point. You're right. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. They'd have yeah. the they'd have the same they'd have the same form. They would have because you can have different materials of wood table, right. steel table. Exactly. So and, and you can have different efficient different carpets, Right, exactly. Some yeah. of them are manufactured. Some of them are handcrafted. I mean, yeah, you've, you've got different efficient causes of, of tables. Mm -hmm. So uh, would you argue that all created things have or participate in in each four of these causes well aristotle would yeah uh -huh. yeah aristotle certainly would would um, thomas thomas i think would mm -hmm. agree yeah that that um what that, do you think 
No, I absolutely agree. I agree too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I would. So when you're talking about an individual, then for St. Thomas, what, what you're talking about is, is that universal is made concrete. It's made into a into an I won't say existent being because the universals have existence of their own. Sure, but um, you know, it's made into a concrete being by being. In mattered by mm-hmm. by being incorporated, enfleshed, enfleshed. So it's the it's matter that then differentiates a universal into individuals. So uh, to we have we have the efficient cause of as humans. What is it? So the efficient cause of of humans. Mm-hmm. Um, Reproduction. The reproduction, yeah. yeah. Mom, say and mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, it's a dangerous question to ask, especially on air. I'm like, uh, how, how, I, I don't know how in detail That's we want to go into enough. this question. Yeah. Material cause would be flesh and bone. Right. Formal cause would be... It would the soul. Be, uh, or, or, well, it'd be our psych, but, but I think you would also say our DNA. You know, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I mean, the you know, you you it honestly, it is yeah, it it, it is the the sort of pattern and shape that our bodies take. So it, it's it's okay. our soul, but it's more than our soul as well. I mean, there's a, but the most important one, final cause, final cause, each right. per person's. That's where there's a lot of Purpose. disagreement these days. Right. In the world. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So final, yeah. final cause is often Beatitude. dismissed. Right. And, and this is, I think, this is one place where you could say, either Saint Thomas flat out disagreed with Aristotle, or Saint Thomas took Aristotle and had to manufacture Aristotle into a good Christian mm-hmm. um, to, to to come up with sort of a, a, an answer to that that um, final cause of yeah. humanity. But, you know, the final cause of humanity, as the Baltimore Catechism, is to love, serve, and honor God in this life and the next. I mean, you know, that's, um, th- that is sort of the, the Catholic understanding of the, the final cause, and St. Thomas certainly wasn't going to disagree with that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, the 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 question that that comes up in all of that though is this this notion that it is matter that differentiates the individuals and therefore the universal has a sort of different ontological status right mm-hmm. it's it, it is it is it, it's its own reality separate from the individual because it can exist on its own in other individuals. In other words, that same universal can be, or that, or that, that, that same form to a certain extent can be in, 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 in fleshed. That's the word you used. Yeah. It can be in fleshed um, by taking on different matter. And, and that I think is a, that I think is a sticky point in St. Thomas's uh, in, in, in St. Thomas's philosophy to a certain I, extent. I, I don't know that you can you can you can have a, an authentic uh, conversation uh, uh, in a Thomistic context about modern world problems because final causality is going to be uh, fully dismissed and, and material causality um, is going to be watered down. Um, uh, but I think no. I, I really think the in the modern context. The I think the difficulty in, in using St. Thomas's language and and using scholastic philosophy to talk to modern audiences really goes to that connection between form and matter. Um, and you know, most modern philosophy, um, and I would say most everyday people out there because they've adopted modern philosophy as that sort of background understanding of things dismisses the idea of universals completely. Sure. Right. They, they, they say universals, um, they would agree with William of Ockham, right? So William of Ockham was a, um, 
boy, was he Augustinian. I, he was Augustinian. I was going to say, I knew he was a monk of some sort. Um, but he was a... Um, what would you say, 13th century? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah 13th, 14th, 14th, yeah, I think 14th yeah. century. A couple hundred years after after St. Thomas. Yeah. Um, anyway, but he looked at this, the, he looked at this relationship between universals, and he came to the conclusion that most modern people say, of, this is just the way our mind organizes things, right? We see dogs, and we see there are some dogs with curly tails, there are some dogs with cropped ears, there are some dogs that are big, there are some dogs that are little, and each of these individual dogs, then we look at the, we, we, we take the, the common characteristics and we categorize all of these creatures as dogs because they have certain attributes and and, and um, in common, and then we slap a label on it of dog. Mm-hmm. But that label, dog, really doesn't have any existence at all outside of the individual species. Sure. So, so there, there's no universal concept of dog. You just have a bunch of dogs that our minds categorize as dogs. And um, that philosophy is called nominalism. Yeah. And in modern philosophy, that really is the philosophy that has kind of won the day. So... Um, are those the only two possibilities? No, those are not the only two possibilities. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back after the break here on The Catholic Cave. Like coming up for air. Like a time of rest after a big race. Like a good meal after a long day. Jesus, what you need just when you need him. Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, What time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. When a business is looking to expand, they say it's all about location, location, location. But what about when the church needs to expand? To stretch out and reach those fallen away, estranged from the faith, or those who simply have never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then it's all about vocation, vocation, vocation. We need more people dedicated to the mission of serving the church, more priests, more deacons, more men and women of vowed service, and more lay workers willing to go into the fields. The harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Is God calling you to service? Pray on it, and while you're there, pray for more vocations. A simple request from your friends at Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasi and Timothy O'Donnell, and we are talking about um, we're talking about the differences between individual things and universals, and and what that distinction looks like. And on the one hand, we we were talking about the the sort of perennial philosophy of St. Thomas that says universals are they're entities of themselves, right? They they are they are forms that inform matter and create individuals by becoming enfleshed. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have sort of the modern view of things that no, universals are just categories of the mind. This is the way our mind works. It's the way categ- things are categorized. And there's a third way, though, to understand the relationship between universals, and that comes from the philosophy of Duns Scotus. So Duns Scotus 
was a late 13th century Franciscan. And so he was brought into this huge debate between the Dominicans and Franciscans, and it was kind of the heir of St. Bonaventure, of, um, of arguing um, that the Dominicans were wrong in some way. I think that, I, you know, it's kind of funny because you, you look at the orders and you say, why do Franciscans and Dominicans exist? Well, on the one hand, Franciscans exist because of St. Francis and um, trying to follow the the pattern of of complete simplicity the dominicans exist as the order of preachers um to you know education education etc i really do think there's an argument to be made that franciscans and dominicans exist just simply to argue with each other but (laughs) everybody needs an enemy (laughs) right exactly so so um dun scotus was the franciscan that 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 was sort of the heir to, to bonaventure and in this debate between nominalism and um and the the formal uh, realistic formalism or formal realism there we go formal realism of saint thomas um he he said that no that this distinction is what he called a formal distinction so it's not a real distinction there's there's not this absolute um separation between humanity and what a man is and and what it means to be mm-hmm. human and each individual but he said that there's an ontological reality to the individual as a universal in and of itself right. so so that the universal and the individual go together and that there is no sort of universal universal category mm-hmm. that doesn't incorporate each individual distinctly. And he called this hesitas, right? Hiseitas. 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 It means thisness. Exactly. The thisness of each individual thing. And And I think it's important to to slow it down and, and really describe what that means for the everyday person. Within within Thomism, basically the structure is set up where you have individuals, uh, some with with some gifts, others with other gifts. Um, let's say let's bring it to a real world uh, a real world example. If if my my I have a four year old son. He just turned four. Uh, he has a genetic disorder, and so he's not capable of hitting the milestones. Um, when when they are quote unquote supposed to be met, and so we would look at that and say there is a lack to his person. You know he is atypical. Uh, when when a person is uh, homosexual, um, we would look at at that individual through a Thomistic lens and say um, that they're that they're that their feelings, their emotions are disordered. Um, not to say that they're less than, but to use Thomistic uh, phrasing, their final and, and material cause were not be util- not being utilized towards um, what they're supposed to. You know, the should. It's not that way. With I mean, it would be like using a, a screwdriver to to, to open a can of paint which can be used but i mean a screwdriver is meant to right it's it's got a different purpose it's got a different purpose a a different final cause whereas within scotesian philosophy he says no there there's not a universal that a person a person should not be shooting themselves i should do this Uh, your created atypicality is exactly how god created you um 
And so it gives a, a sense of fullness to, to the individual, which was a drastic change from, from Thomistic philosophy. And, and because of that, uh, there's, there are lots of... Now, understand, listeners, Dun Scotus is a, a blessed. He, uh, is he a doctor of the church? No, no, no he's okay. not declared a doctor of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he, he's he's consi- his philosophy is right. considered orthodox. His theology is considered orthodox. Yeah, and he's not a relativist. I think that's right. an important an yeah. important thing to to say right up from the he he is not saying that you know each individual um, life and the way they live their life etc. No. is is unique to them. And we're we're taking can, it from a twenty first century understanding and and then placing on Dunscotus if you do that. Right, right. Yeah, no. But but what he was saying is that universal category is exemplified in all of the individuals right. of that that category. Yeah. In other words, there's no standard human being that is out there distinct from the individual. There's only the individual human beings that make up what it is to be human. But does that not contradict fundamentally Thomistic? You know, I mean, it's certainly. Arguing, does it seem like it? It's it. It, it does to me. I don't know that it. I don't know that it contradicts um, as much as I think it qualifies to a certain extent. Because, you know, I do not think that Saint Thomas would agree that we all have to lose our individuality to become saints. Um, I do not think St. Thomas would would disagree that in my becoming more and more Christ-like, I'm not losing, but I'm enhancing my identity as me. Um, And and that my ultimate me is not going to be subsumed into some collective you and collective Tim, and that when we become saints, we're all going to be alike. I think that's why there there is an appeal to Heisaitas, when when Christ gave, when Christ was telling his listeners to be perfect as his heavenly Father is perfect, what he wasn't saying is don't sin, because being human, he knows that we do not have a capacity to not sin. It would have been impossible for anybody to to, to live up to, but to be perfect means to be whole or complete, as God is whole. And complete, and so I, I think understanding what it means to be whole and complete as a person means to be true to your nature. It means to be to be true to reality. It means to be true to your 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 final cause. And all of these things, even with our our myriad of differences and woundedness and brokenness, I think it, the Scotesian philosophy offers room for mercy a lot more at least in perception than than Thomism would at least that's the argument from from scotists yeah and i I think there's there's much much broader much much broader implications of this formal distinction between the individuals and and universals other than just sort of i i guess leading up to a, a a personalism um you know a theological personalism i think when you look at a lot of society's arguments um they are they are, they are arguing about that status of the universal concept. Yeah. I mean, when when you're looking at the the great debate about gender and, and transgenderism, um, you're looking at, at questions that the revolve around. Okay, so what is it 
to be male? What is it to be female? What's the relation between being human and being male and being female? And most importantly, what's the relationship between being an individual and being a male and a female? And, um, you know, as I said, the, the modern default position is that these are categories that we've come up with and labeled social constructs. Some of some, some of them are social constructs. Some of them are other just, you know, they're, they're label of a phenomenon that, you know, okay, somebody that can grow a beard and, and, you know, is able to, to grow muscles and that kind of thing that's male and somebody that's not as is is female um you know those those are um those those are labels that we put on what we have what we know to be male or female i mean xy chromosome right somebody that has an xy chromosome is male somebody that has you know two y chromosomes are female um we put the label of male or female on those um because all of those share certain characteristics. That's sort of the modern default um, position. On the flip side, you know, I think you have the Thomistic position that, that, that says, no, there are universal categories of male, female, human, etc. Oh, I think it's each, much older than Thomism. Yeah, much older than Thomism, true. Um, that, that, it, that individual human beings fit within these universal categories as who they are right um yeah i i think this this hierarchy of being the 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 person that some people would argue tim i'll, I'll acknowledge you will argue this i and you might be right he takes it to a logical absurd but hegel's um yeah. you know sort of categories of of being and his whole yeah. structure there yeah. is just this this dynamic of of you are all these different levels of universals all the way down um you know i i I think you've got that view on the one hand, but I think I think Duns Scotus and his formal distinction that there is no maleness and there is no femaleness that doesn't incorporate the individual manifestations of maleness and femaleness. Right. Um, I think that goes a long way in helping us. I, I think navigate um, the, 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 these two positions within within society. You know, the people of his time thought he was absolutely insane. So, uh, to be called a dunce today comes from dunce goes. So, so the so so the story goes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I I do I do sometimes. I'm I'm skeptical of that particular lore. Oh, I love it, and yeah. I'm going to perpetuate it as long as I live. <laughs> you Dominican, you. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a topic we need to come back to, though, on, on the cave a little bit. I mean, there's other elements of Dun uh, Scotesian philosophy is in vogue now. Um, you, you talk to university students, and it, it seems like yeah. those that are those that are you know at a, a good, solid Catholic school and are studying such things, it seems like maybe every other one of them is claiming to be a Scotist, and I'm not sure that they understand what that yeah, means. And, yeah. and I think I think diving a little bit more into uh, it's, statistics. It's Started in the 50s, this resource month, this return to the sources, going back to the patristics and, and other means of, of orthodox uh, philosophical basis. Uh, so Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict, was, was one of the great ones. Uh, who who wasn't necessarily he he had Thomistic beliefs, but he wasn't necessarily a Thomist. Yep. So we're we're running out of time here on the Catholic Cave for for this week, but I think we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to revisit Scotus and and Thomas and some of the uh, the very 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 fine distinctions between those two philosophical philosophical outlooks here on the Catholic Cave. You've been listening to the Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy. The Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. 
Replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317-870-8400. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.